Today on the ZabeCast, I am Vegas bound for the Sweet 16, and while it's too early to give out any winners, I'm going to tell you why Vegas remains one of my all-time favorite spots on earth. Notorious J.A.Y. will join us. He will brag about his UMBC retrievers and the fact that he called that upset. All that plus big baby on a small plane with a stack of money. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Tuesday, March 20th, 2018. Thank you for your download and thank you for your earballs. Well, a winter storm, a late winter storm, a late winter, early spring storm is bearing down on D.C. And hopefully by the time you listen to this, I will already be wheels up on an earlier flight out to Vegas to join my boys, Gitter and Theat and O'Neill and the rest of the knuckleheads for another trip to Zave Vegas. I know it's not the official Zave Vegas where I said, okay, I'm going to get everyone together. I'll get a promotion like we had had before. I know I failed in that regard and I promise to do better next year. But I've been going to Vegas now every year since I think junior year in college at UC Santa Barbara. And I've loved it ever since. I love everything just about when it comes to Vegas. It just is such a fun town. I remember when I went in college, there was a bunch of us driving over from UCSB. It's about a five and a half hour drive, depending on just how fast you went in the desert. And I remember coming home, we were all piled into someone's car. It was tight, six, seven guys in the car. And I remember... Uh, I forget if I was driving. I don't think I was, but uh, someone who was driving was very tired. We were all very tired because we hadn't slept, obviously. And I believe we pulled over on the side of the road just to let our driver get about 30 minutes of shut-eye. And I think back to that going, that was fucking crazy. That was stupid. Like, we would have been in the news, you know, car full of college students, dead, running right off the road. That's what happened to Sam Kinison. It happens to dozens, if not more, people every year driving back from Vegas on that long desert highway stretch. And I'm just glad that we at least had that much sense to go ahead and do that. I remember playing $2 blackjack when I first started going to Vegas at Slots of Fun. Yes, $2 a hand blackjack. If that sounds lame and unbelievably timid, it is. But remember... I'm 22 years old, and I don't have a lot of money. But I loved it. Even though I could tell the dealers, even back then, working at Slots of Fun on the $1 and $2 blackjack tables were miserable dealing $2 hands. I loved it. It was it was a ton of fun. And after college, uh, my boys from the D.C. area, from Langley High School, Craig and Butch and... Todd and Andy, you know, Craig would be the ringleader. Craig was Mr. Vegas. He's like, let's go to Vegas, man, you know, and he'd always want to go during the tournament first round, of course, so he could bet as many games as possible. Craig would not only bet like 17 men's parlays, he would bet almost as many women's NCAA tournament parlays just for fun. And he loved it. We would go to In-N-Out Burger. We stayed at Main Street Station in downtown Vegas. And I remember one year, my buddy, Dr. Brad Bauer, the gentleman dentist, big golf kahuna with me, goes on to my Pinehurst trip. Uh, he was so hell-bent because at the Main Street Casino, if you got 21 blackjacks within 24 hours, 
then you got this satin jacket, and he was hell-bent on getting it. And sure enough, it took him it took him like 16 hours, but he finally got it uh, after a lot of blackjack downtown. It's a lot of fun. Now, what happened to those guys? They don't, they don't go out there anymore, uh, which is a pity because I really enjoyed it. And you know, I keep in touch with them from time to time, but you know, they're old and responsible and they've got good families. Hey, aren't you the same age as them? Yes, I am. Well, aren't you responsible? Yes, I'm responsible. But I keep going to Vegas because I just love it. I had a very close friend from my radio days in California who became the most popular morning weatherman in town on television. His name on TV was John Fredericks. I knew him as John Alden, which was his given name. And he and I were close. We were good friends from back when we worked together at KTMS Radio and KCSB Radio. No, that would be the student station. KTMS and Hot 97 in Santa Barbara. John at the time in in Santa Barbara was an FM DJ. And he had this... uh, Big pompadour of hair. Tall, lean fella. Had a big pompadour of hair. Magnificent hair. Almost like Buster Poindexter. Very wry sense of humor. Played golf. And that's how we kind of became friends. We would play golf together in Santa Barbara. We actually went on a trip to Pebble Beach when I was just out of school and I was working at KTMS Radio and he was at the FM station. We said, let's go out to Pebble Beach. And so we went and booked a trip there and stayed for like four or five days. We were having so much fun. We just extended our stay. We both called in and said, yeah, we won't be back till Tuesday. <laughs> and we stayed in. We met, we met a couple of teachers that were there, uh, older than us, ended up making out with them. And I think John tried to get a little bit farther with them, but uh, I don't think it went very far. I remember making out with some, some school teacher <laughs> at the lodge at Pebble Beach. Uh, it was just it was just good times, man. I was like 24 years old, something like that. Seems like an entirely different lifetime ago. Anyway, he became the most popular morning weatherman in town because he was a dog act, as I like to teasingly call him. He adopted a Labrador by the name of Jordan, or if he didn't adopt the lab, you know, he, he bought the lab from you know, a breeder. And that dog would come to work, and then the dog got on air periodically doing little bits, and the dog and my buddy John Alden got very popular, John Fredericks. And he did very well um, professionally in Vegas. He did not do very well personally. He was an alcoholic, and nobody in his family lived past the age of 52. John Alden, my buddy, lived to 57. And he died in 2012 from a failing liver, uh, diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. And basically drank himself to death. He had you know, battled depression and whatnot. He was a little bit quirky. Like when I would go out, I'd say, let's go play golf, John. And we would play golf out in Vegas. And me being younger and more irresponsible, I would set up, you know, arrange to play golf with him somewhere. And then I would change my plans at the last minute. And, and then he would get pissed, and I'd be like, what's the matter, man? Why are you being that way? I told you things going to be flexible. And it was very selfish of me. But, you know, in retrospect, I enjoyed those days very much. We had a blast. He left the station in Vegas after a dispute with the station over his dog. 
they eventually said the dog can't come here anymore because it apparently, allegedly, bit somebody at work. Who knows if that's the case or not. Uh, But it sent John pretty much over the deep end with his depression because he ended up quitting the station um, and really struggled after that. And he passed away at 57 in 2012. But it was... It was a great time out there with him, and that was just part of my Vegas history because I stayed with him a couple of times when I went out there many years ago. So then with my high school buddies no longer going out to Vegas, I'm like, well, fuck it. I love Vegas. I want to go out there every spring during the tournament. How do I do this? So that was when I convinced a young Eric Getter, uh, then just out of school at University of Wisconsin, Madison, uh, and loved golf. He had interned for me at one-on-one sports in Chicago. I had convinced him. I said, bro, you got to come out with me. We'll we'll play golf. We'll make it a golf trip. And then we'll, you know, we'll gamble and we'll do whatever. So one year, I think it was 2003, he and I alone, that was it. The total of Zay Vegas was just me and Getter. And we played golf together. We stayed, shared a room at Mandalay Bay, hung out, watched the games, gambled, just like two not gay buddies out in Vegas. Not that there's anything wrong with it. And I believe Gitter at one point was so cold that weekend picking games that I would ask him, who do you like today? <laughs> and he finally figured out the reason I was asking him was because I was going to fade him, and he got kind of bitter about it. I think he was 0-11 that weekend. But it was great. So then we started to kind of cobble together a few more guys that played golf, and we started to rope in some other people. We kind of built this thing up just a bit, and then we kind of merged the trip with my buddy uh, Mikey O'Neill, and his crew, uh, Mike has a crew from Curry Park in Milwaukee, his men's club that goes on a huge, like 10-day, 12 rounds in 10-day bender in Mesquite. I mean, these these guys are psychotic golfers. They just golf, 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 golf. And they don't mind staying up there in Mesquite. It's a bit much golf for me, and I like staying in downtown Vegas. So then we got Zay Vegas going in 2010 uh, at the Palazzo. Of course, I was then at uh, you know Sporting News Radio, which became Yahoo Sports Radio, which became uh, whatever it is now. See how quickly I forget what it is now? Uh, you know, SB Nation, duh. And I had a hookup at the Palazzo uh, because he was the PR director, and he was a gaucho as well, uh, um, Larragetta. My man Larragetta was there. I don't know why I can't think right now today. I must have Vegas on the brain. Uh, my buddy Larry Young from Atlanta, who is a big-time, big-event whore. He works for FedEx. He goes to every big sporting event in the country because he's buddies with everybody. He has this knack of just making friends with people, and so he and his wife, they don't have any kids, and he's got a good job that's flexible, and he goes to all these great events. He's friends with Greg Hughes, who is now one of the chief guys at NBC Sports. Used to be at Turner, Greg did, so he gets hookups there all the time. So yeah, so my, my guy Mike Larragetta used to be at the Palazzo, and he helped set up the first Zay Vegas in 2010 in conjunction with, obviously, uh, the radio network. And so we had good times there. I brought Andy out the one year. We interviewed Bob Knight. We interviewed Billy Packer out there live. I still have the video of that somewhere on my website or on Vimeo or on YouTube. You could go see it. Great time. Zay Vegas then lasted for five years. I think it was three years at Palazzo, two years at Hard Rock, or maybe three and three, roughly 2010 to 2015. And we've missed the last two years, 2016, 2017, because obviously I got fired from SB Nation. 
And that was that. And I keep saying I'm going to try to put it together and get it back going again, and I keep failing. So sorry about that. I just love the people watching in Vegas. I love the little nooks and crannies of Vegas, like the small lounges where there's bands playing, or maybe just a guy with a piano. You're there kind of stumbling around late at night, and you're hammered, and you're like, yeah, this is cool. I'm just going to sit here and listen to some music and uh, watch some weirdos walk by. Even places like Margaritaville, which has a cover band usually that plays cheesy 80s songs. Great spot to just hang out and enjoy it. I even love Vegas in the summer. I've been a couple of times. uh, And it's so hot during the day, but it's a dry heat. And I'm telling you, that cannot be discounted. But I love how warm it is at night. I love it at night in the summer in Vegas. I even played golf at the Wynn. One summer when we were out there for Super Week with then Yahoo Sports Radio. And we, I played golf at the Wynn that summer in 106 degrees. And it was actually fine, believe it or not. Way better than anything back home, back east. In-N-Out Burger Runs, Stratosphere, Downtown Gambling Buffet. I went to Cirque with my wife there. I saw this great cocktail cabaret show at the Caesars Palace uh, Cleopatra's Barge Lounge. It's like a little lounge there. I mean, there is tons of stuff to do. My wife, I took my wife out there one year, and you know she liked it okay. She's not a huge gambler, not a huge drinker, but we went to some shows. Lots of great restaurants to go to. And that's what you can do in Vegas. You can, uh, you can go anywhere you want and do whatever the hell you want, which is, which is cool. I love the all-night thing about it. I used to gamble. I used to play blackjack only until my man Mike McGowan, Cowboy Mike, uh, convinced me uh, to go ahead and try craps. And he claims that he had this foolproof method for winning at craps. I'll read you the highlights of it in just a second. What I used to do gambling in Vegas was, you know, play blackjack, and I used to do this so-called, I, I called it uh, doing a paper route, where I'd sit down somewhere to play, five, ten bucks a hand. And as soon as I got up, literally like $20, or it might have been 40 I'm guessing, if I got up $40, I would cash in and I would leave. And I would walk down the strip to another casino and find another 5 or $10 table, sit down, and I would play. And the moment I got 20 or $40 up, boom, cash out, go to the next place. My theory was, and it's just a theory, I don't think it really has any basis in fact, was that, yeah, you know what, most places I go to sit down and play blackjack, Unless the, the cards are really cold, I'll get up at some point a, a nice little modest amount. And so I would just treat it like a paper route. Here's 20, here's 40, here's 20, here's 10, here's 20, here's 20, 40. And it might have worked a little bit. Really didn't keep good records on that. I never hit a parlay out there gambling on sports. Not one. Not one. And I stopped playing parlays years ago. I hate betting the under, even though I know it's a smart and legitimate thing to do on certain games. I just hate having to nurse unders. And I hate having to sit there watching a game and pull on the reins of slow down. Um, craps, though, I've starting to grow, grow on craps. And one thing that I'm also starting to kind of warm to, which is not a young, cool guy thing to do, of course I'm not young nor cool, is to play slots. I have hit a couple of $400 jackpots on some dollar slots and let me tell you there is nothing quite as fun as that because 
you know, unlike blackjack where you've got to risk as much to make as much, if you're sitting down and just killing some time playing some slots, you could put a buck in and win four, five hundred thousand dollars or something like that. I think I'd rather go to Vegas in the dead of summer than to the beach now anymore because when I was there for Super Week in the summer, we'd get up in the morning, go to the pool. Uh, the pools would often be shadowed or in the shadows of the tall building. So while it was hot in the morning, you weren't in direct sunlight. Cocktail service right there. Beautiful, clean pool right there. Spend your day at the pool. Get a little bit buzzed. Go have a great lunch. Go walk up to your room. Luxury hotel right there. Go out to dinner. Go see a show. Gamble. Go to sleep. I I think it kills the beach. And I know some people are beach people, but I, I love Vegas. I just freaking love it. Now, the one place I never stayed... And I don't think I ever will because it's now closed down, but the remnants still are there. Is a place called the Laughing Jackalope. It's at the south end of the strip, just across from the Mandalay Bay. And it is this rundown little shithole with this great iconic sign called the Laughing Jackalope. And the joke was that, you know, we would somehow design a way in which somebody who lost at golf or lost the most money would have to spend one night in the Laughing Jackalope with our group every year. Never came to fruition, and now, of course, the place is closed. So, as much as I love it, I only like to go to Vegas once a year. That's during March. Although, I might start going twice a year if I can convince my wife to go in the summer. And it might be three times a year because I've never been to Vegas in football season, which everyone tells me, what? How is that possible? Never in football. And I'm like, no, I've never been during football season. The only football game I was at was at the Super Bowl in Vegas one year when I flew up from Arizona. That was Super Bowl 50, I believe. That was the Brady Seahawk Super Bowl. And I watched the game with my dad, who was spending the winter in Arizona and came up to be with me, and that was very cool. So yeah, maximum three times a year. I know some people go to Vegas a lot more than that. I like to keep it an exciting thing where as soon as I land, I'm like, yes, here we are. Welcome to Vegas. So before I get to Jay... Here is Cowboy Mike and his so-called six ironclad rules to winning at craps. Number one, rule number one, there is no such thing as a good strategy or a bad strategy, says Mike. Like a lottery ticket, a dumb bet is a dumb bet until it hits. Then it's smart. That said, I suggest you pick a strategy for a session or a weekend and stick with it. For example, don't flip from the pass line to the don't pass because you'll almost certainly lose both ways and feel like the biggest loser in Vegas. Rule number two, Cowboy Mike, lessons on craps. Most important, find that guy or girl. He says they are very rare and extremely difficult to locate, but some people are just plain lucky. You'll know them when you see them. Something about how they act or talk or smile. These people cannot lose. I cross paths with one about every third or fourth trip. The one lucky guy or girl will cover all your losing bets for the week. All of them. Keep your eye out for these precious, precious people. It's the most important lesson here. And when they tell you how to bet, don't think. Just do whatever they tell you to. Rule number three, Cowboy Mike, rules to craps. If you're fortunate enough to play alongside that lucky person, then when lucky guy leaves the table, you walk away. You you won't want to leave, but you must leave, he says. 
Luck follows these rare people, and as soon as they leave, your table will turn to ice. Guaranteed. I know it's hard to quit because winning is so much fun, and you'll tell yourself that maybe it wasn't Lucky Guy after all who brought the good fortune, but you'll be wrong, says Mike. Color up and move on. Rule number four, proper beer level, or PBL. Just as important in craps as it is in golf, says Cowboy Mike. Everyone has their own PBL, but find yours and maintain it for the session. Number five, trying to use sheer will to turn a cold table warm does not work, except when it does. (laughs) This is where Mike's rules get completely turned inside out. I've had success by not giving up too soon, but it's hard to know when to quit on a bad table. But when you do cash out, walk away and keep walking, he says. Don't hover around just to see how the table gets. It's bad luck and nothing good can happen if the table heats up. Besides, you'll be pissed then that you stop playing and then the table will stay cold once you get there again. And finally, number six, his rules for winning at craps. The second hottest chick at the table will do better than the hottest chick. Seen it a million times, says Mike. Everyone wants the hot chick to throw a hot roll so they load up on the board. But she will seven out right away. The next chick, however, will quietly hit a few points and put some money in your pocket. (laughs) I don't know what is the best strategy for playing craps other than to buy the odds in the pass line. They pretty much say if you don't do that, you're throwing money away. You know me and math, it completely flummoxes me. But the great thing is the dealers are always very helpful. Craps is intimidating, but trust me, when you go there as a newbie, the dice, the, you know, the, the, the guy, the stick man, and the dealers, they will help you out. They will say, color this up, do this, do that. They're the coolest dealers in all of Vegas. And the people around the table, they're all pulling for the same thing. They want the guys to hit numbers. It's a fun game to play. And you can play it without you know, losing your shirt. You can just sit there and dink away at the pass line on a fairly low total table. And you don't have to play anything else. And no one's going to yell at you like, hey, you're going to put some money on some numbers? No, just say I'm playing the pass line. And they will not care. With that, Notorious J-A-Y. That you put over the mic. I don't know what that's called. What is this? Your first day in radio? <laughs> what is it called then, smart guy? What is it called? Exactly. No, wait, wait. You didn't give me a chance. It's called the windscreen. You dumb. No, dick. not the windscreen. No, no, yes, no. Yes, it no, is. No. I know what the I know what a windscreen is. Do you know what? Okay. A, do you know? Okay, Mike Flag is the identifier the, of your station, right. Used in field remotes, although sometimes it's on studio mics. <laughs> Windscreen is to keep your barbecue from lodging in the Sennheiser RE20 mics, <laughs> which at most stations that I've worked at, Jay, oh yeah, those microphones are fucking disgusting. <laughs> Chock full of germs and food and everything else. <laughs> Hello, By the way, Jay, we are up and running, man. I'm recording right now. That's Let's good. Just go. By the way, Let's I just did. Go. Okay. You don't remember your rolling starts? Another one of Zabe's innovations that you were, you have so many. You're like the dipping dots of what, radio. Yeah, but was it a good innovation or not? I would start the show, 
with just a we would pot up our conversation just like we're talking like yes oh, hey, how's it, going? it made sense at the time but i think after <laughs> week is like this is pretty dumb but it made sense i don't know if it was any worse or any better than a hey everybody welcome to the show was it as good as crosstalk Awkward talk with the, no, oh, you know what? Let me stop. I'll stop. I know because it's our dear friend Andrew Ashby. I'll stop. May he rest. How are you, Zabe? I am doing great. Not as good as you, but we'll get to that in just a second. This is my last show, my last Zabe cast of the week before I go to Vegas, and I am missing the fact that you will not be there again this year. For those that don't know, Jay and I one year drove up from L.A. after we flew out, flew out to Fox Sports Radio in the headquarters. And we drove up together in a rental car in a piece of shit Buick, right? It was, it was a, some, yes. But it was, it was a, you, cause you did the morning show and I drove and you slept and it was, that's one of the prettiest drives I've ever done in my entire life. Not only was it a pretty drive, it was just fucking fun because you and I were on a road trip together yes. and like our friend J-Dub used to scream, road! Trip. <laughs> James Washington. James Washington. You know, when else do you get take get to take road trip? Once you get to a certain age and life and adulthood and family sets in, when do they fucking do a road trip every anymore? I remember driving. It was like it's it's through the desert, and then you you know come you come up that hill and you see the Vegas. Uh, this the uh, the Vegas skyline, I guess. I guess we came up not at night, so we didn't see the lights yeah, of it Vegas was during but, the day. Yes. But it, but it's cool because there's nothing, 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 nothing for about four hours, and, and then, then boom, over a hill, there's Vegas, and you yes. think that's where gangsters once said, "Hey, <laughs> why don't we put a city here and gamble and, and serve get some hooas and get some hooas and get some dancing girls and do whatever the fuck we want because it's the middle of the desert." And it's become this great mecca. I will. Uh, I went on at length before uh, you came on here about why I love Vegas and my history in Vegas. So I won't prattle on any further about that. Let's cut to the chase, Jay. Did you call it on UMBC? Uh, I called it twice. I called it on Zabe Show, and I called it on the Brett Hollander Z- Experience. Zabe Show. This is the show you're on right now. I, I said I'm the, the Zabe Show. So wait. Okay, so you did call it on I the I did Zabe call cast. it. In fact, I'm Because looking... people were sending me tweets yes. going, Jay called it. And I, yes. and I said, I couldn't remember it. I... When I texted you, you seemed to indicate that you didn't call it on my show or on this Zabecast. You only called it on WBAL. I, and I did, but uh, let me... Jay Hill, uh, Yankees fan, Yankee fan Jay, yeah. one of your listeners said, you called this. And then I went back and listened, and towards the end of the podcast, I did call it. I called it just wow. like I did on WBAL. I said Virginia would have a tough time scoring. UMBC would go crazy for a little bit, and that's exactly what happened. Did you call for an upset, though? Yes. Okay. I called for the, I called so for you the said, first 16-1 okay. upset. Yes. Congratulations. Now, you are a proud UMBC alum. I am. Class of 92. <laughs> nice try, 94. Well, it's close enough. Okay, yeah. Don't you know laugh what? At me it's, dismissively. Not, it's not like you said. It's not like you said eighty-four. Yeah, okay, didn't, all didn't right. Miss it by a decade, yeah, that's bro. true. Yes. All right. So, class of ninety-four. And did you be honest? Did you know anyone on that team before you called for that upset? Yes, because you did. Okay. Uh, Ryan Odom, the coach, we've had him multiple times. Uh, KJ Mara is the point guard. We've had him a couple times. Okay, let's stop right there. Yes. This dude you is... like him. He, he's out of central casting. Yes. I saw him on the court on Friday night, and I was like, 
Get a load of this fuckhead. This guy looks like he wandered off on the intramural courts. He's got way too many accessories, headband, arm sleeve, leggings, <laughs> got this weird curly, you know, hairdo, and yet he was fucking hell on wheels. Him and Jarius Lyles were hell on wheels, and Virginia couldn't handle him. As are you and you're not a Virginia fan because no. you live in the, I'm not in a the Virginia Commonwealth. Fan. I'm not a Virginia fan. I root for them softly. Okay. How about that? I I am a sympathizer. Does that make uh, any sense? You had the thing that made me laugh out loud. And I think with like 11 minutes to go, yeah. you had the gif hit the panic the button. button yeah. <laughs> I laughed out loud on I that so, one. I love a well-played gif. Thank you for laughing at that. But yes, I was searching panic button, and I scrolled down a long time. Most people, when they post gifs, they don't get past the first page, Jay. So everyone sees the same gif of the black guy pointing at his temple to say, um, look how smart I am, right? I With did that, that smile. One. Yeah, I did that one. Right, I know, but that's fine. <laughs> but but this one I went deep for, and I found this where he's just panic Because, yes, it was about 11 to go, and they were pouring it the fuck on. And you could tell Virginia had no clue as to how to stop this, none whatsoever. They could have. They could still be playing this week, and Virginia still couldn't score. So what do you think this means? I've been asking this question on my radio show. I asked it on Twitter. What's the big meaning of this 16 over a one go? Uh, It means that Virginia has to get some scores. That's what that means. (laughs) Does it mean mean, score? Does it mean Tony Bennett has to scrap this embrace? No, he's got to marry the two. He's got to somehow marry the two. You've got to score. Okay. But can you marry the two? Can you play pack line uh, you know defense what? I don't know. and go up tempo? Because look at West Virginia. They have a trouble they have trouble scoring too, and they're as good defensively as Virginia is. West Virginia is so nasty. Yes. Like if the, you just love brute force basketball, they're fucking your thing, man. Those guys are unbelievable. They beat up Maryland like three years ago in a in a uh, in a sweet sixteen, and it was just like a you know how you have one of those White schools play a black school. It was like that. <laughs> but but I think Virginia I think West Virginia's always had a decent mix of white and black. Oh no. This this was predominantly black. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I believe that was the game where Huggins' daughters were caught talking shit to was yes. it who was the Maryland player that they um, were completely Mello abusing? Mellow Trimble. Yeah, they were calling him a rapist. And oh, think, no, no, Des Wells, Des Wells, Des, Des Wells, Wells, right. Des Wells, Des right. Wells. Des Wells, and they had to apologize for it because Des Wells was acquitted Yes, in that you know, kangaroo court of you know, campus sexual assault, whatever. And, but yeah, the, 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 the Huggins daughters were just being pure West Virginia white trash. They were being Huggins' daughters. They were being Huggins' daughters. So anyway, um, I think it'll be 20 years or more until the next time a 16 beats a one, and here's why. Every number one is now on fucking notice. Every number one is wide fucking awake. And they are going to beat the 16s for a good period now by 20 or more. That's just my theory. Maybe I'm wrong. What's your theory? I think that the the gap is narrowing. I think you're right the gap is narrowing. But I think there's there's only four teams that are number ones. And all of them are going to look on in horror as, shit, I don't want that happening to me. So I think they're going to really dig in in the first round. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll I, see. I, I think I think this might happen again like every two years now. Okay. We'll see. Because there's some good mid-majors. 
There's some good. But the like problem for, is, is Vermont. UM, right, Vermont, but, who UMBC beat, is a really, really good mid-major. But, U, but UMBC is not a mid-major. Yeah, they are. They're mid-major. Yeah, they no, are. You're a minor. <laughs> don't kid yourself. Ouch. No, seriously. Ouch. No, I mean I'm serious. Don't what? you think don't you think most 16 seeds are not mid-majors? Cuz you're implying that everyone's a mid-major or better. There uh, has to be some school smaller than mid-major. If you're from a one bid league, I I think you're okay. a mid. You know, so then everyone's a mid-major. No, that's okay. not. Like, Gonzaga's no longer a mid-major. They're Butler, a major. They've but, graduated yeah. out of that. Butler yeah. is no longer a mid-major. Agreed. They're in the Big East. So, okay. nah. Well, if you come up with a term that's not too offensive for the level below mid-major, let me know. Otherwise, <laughs> it doesn't sound like you want to put your beloved retrievers in that category. Speaking of your beloved retrievers. Yes. Are we going to do anything about the uniforms that everybody quickly realized were the exact same uniforms in Teen Wolf? You know that, right? My uh, buddy of mine texted me the, the picture of, of Chubsy at the free throw line. <laughs> and he said, see anything, see anything see similar? It. I'm like, you're an asshole. Yeah, it looked like it, it did. You know what? It looked like the producers of that movie and your athletic department ordered generic uniform number 16 <laughs> on the catalog of least expensive basketball <laughs> uniforms. Ouch! Monocolor, cursive name, block Ouch. letters. Ouch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, maybe you'll get some fancy new stuff. It puts the school on the map. I'm happy for you, and I'm glad you called it. Too bad you didn't bet it like those eight dudes who bet 800 bucks straight up to win 16 grand. Oh. Oh, that hurts. I was just running my yap on I radio. Know. So where does the program go from here? Well, it's Ryan Owen will leave. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> well, for uh, the coach who is authors of success will leave, which yeah. is how it works. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jerry Salaz is graduating. Okay. I believe KJ Mora graduates also. But you're on the map. You're yeah. on the map. So yeah. at least there's that. Now, But still, they're not the best team in the, in the league. That's... No, I know. And you don't have a lazy river like Florida Gulf Coast does to attract people. No. And there's... Florida Gulf Coast has not been the same since Andy Enberg left. Or Andy Enberg? What's Enfield. Close Enfield. enough. Enberg I've heard it both Enfield, ways. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you're on the map, and you'll be talked about along with other legends of March, like Florida Gulf Coast and others. In five years, you'll be saying, what was the name of that school? What was that yeah. name? Was that Coppin State with Fang Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we missed one play. Was that? Uh... Coast to coast, BYU, and why am I? Oh, the GM of the oh, Celtics. Oh yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What, Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Oh my God, I can't believe coast to Danny coast. Danny Ainge, coast to coast. Tyus Edney went coast to coast as well. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'll be, you'll be, you'll forget uh, about UMBC until tournament time every year. All right. So, quick thoughts, rat a tat tat. Other tournament thoughts. Sister Jean at Loyola. Are you done with her, or is she still cool? That, that's a, an adorable story. Okay. Izzo fucks up again. Can't get out of the first weekend. That's three years in a row. Really? Is, I, is, is, is the reputation of Izzo as Mr. March gone? I heard the dumbest thing on, uh, in my Maryland uh, chat room. Yeah. Somebody said, and I quote, Izzo is overrated. You're not overrated when you go to seven Final Fours. Okay. That's not overrated. Okay. He can't get out of the first weekend. At least not lately. Here comes Kentucky. You worried about? Yes, Coach I am. Cal? I got to see Cal and his horrible coaching. Are you worried about Duke because they've got a favorable draw now, except eh. for Kansas, which is waiting. 
Uh, Syracuse, they're 11 and a half over Syracuse. Who that do you seems wrong? Who would you be angry about making it more Duke or Kentucky? I don't get angry anymore over this shit, Jay. I'm okay. too old, man. I, I those days that shit. I would hate Duke with a white hot heat, those days are over. But I res- I respect Krzyzewski you know less than I used to. I to- you know what? I don't want to see them win. I don't want to see Grayson Allen win a second title. Is he's the he's the worst he's worst a- Duke player ever? Correct. Not, not even – it's hands down, right? It's nothing, I mean, he's a decent player. But he's, he's a horrible human being, though, is what I mean. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a little shitty player. He's a, he's a dirty-ass, chippy player who, if he was doing that shit on the, on the pickup courts, he would have had his face caved in <laughs> multiple times. But I, I hate Tom him. Jonovich style. I mean, it's not even close. I'm embarrassed for him as a white guy. I would like to apologize <laughs> on behalf of all white basketball players. Not good players. for our people. No, he's terrible for our people. But I hate him more than I've ever hated any Duke player, even more than J.J. Redick, Christian Leitner. He's, of course. He has a punchable face. Steve Wojciechowski. I liked Wojo. You are. I, I liked Wojo. I did. He's a local his, guy. His floor slapping. He's a local oh. guy. I saw him when he was like 11. Who gives a He's shit? A, <laughs> I like Wojo. <laughs> Wojo sucked. At least, <laughs> I, at least I respected Bobby Hurley because he came from a very tough background. I finally saw the 30 for 30 on Hurley. Was it a thirty for thirty? Or there was, was one it... on Leitner, and there was they okay. did one on the on the Hurley family, and it was not a thirty for thirty. It yeah. was like like a an E sixty, right? Because he, he he has horses. Yeah, it, yeah. they did an E sixty on the Hurley family. Fucking AJ, great documentary. Well, very there's, fascinating. There's very one fascinating. on the dad and his uh, his school. Uh, well, he no longer um, St. Vincent's. Yes, right. Where they and, didn't uh, have their own gym. Right. They but, had to clear but, out the cafeteria and practice half court. They did one on him on HBO, and it's awesome. He's, his dad's like a badass. He's oh, a yeah. parole officer. Yeah, his dad's would, a badass. He, he would walk through downtown Camden, New Jersey, right? Which, by the way, is nothing to uh, write home about. Exactly. Uh, why can't players figure out a zone these days? Because AAU, and it's just out shoot from 50 feet. Right. Why split a double team and kick out? Right. I'm Why just use ball movement? From up here. <laughs> Why use ball movement to, to beat a zone? Okay. I'll just shoot it from 40 like Steph Curry. Uh, coach, what's that reverse the ball thing again? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Right, right. Well, you see, you're over here, and there's a double team, and you throw it the other way to a guy who's wide open. And then uh, sometimes, it, coach. and then sometimes you can pass over the zone, and that works too. It's it's I I I weep for I know. this generation of basketball because they're so stupid. Hey, by the way, since I did rip on a white guy, I got to give props to one of my guys. Got to even it out here. The whitey I love is Makura for Xavier, and I'm sad that they're out of the tournament because you enjoyed watching him. That dude is sick. He's super talented. He's really tall. I have no idea what his pro prospects are, but he fouled out. Ended his career fouling out on an offensive foul the other night. J.P. Uh, Macura, I think it is. I don't yes, know. you are correct. Can I give another? Very, very skilled for a big white guy. Like, you know, our big white guys, Jay, they're often portrayed as Frankensteins, which is uh, very hurtful. I was going to say. This I'll, kid. A la every white guy at Purdue. <laughs> I know. But anyway, uh, let's see. Mo Wagner's consolation hug. Was it cool or cheesy against Houston? Like that or no? Mo, Vag- Mo Wagner, not Wagner. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Rob Gray's man bun, yes or no? You Hated it. it. Hated <laughs> it. Got to okay. get rid of that. It's like okay. dreadlocks. You can't have that and play ball. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on, as yeah. Brian Gumble would Mary say. Gumbel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Glenn Big Baby 
Davis. <laughs> Funniest story of the First Jay. of all, he got caught in Aberdeen, Aberdeen Maryland. Hun. I've been to Aberdeen to go play golf over there at, uh, what's that golf course where they held the uh, the Bully Rock? Back. Bully Rock, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, good, old, if, good old Aberdeen. Aberdeen is known for three things. Ready? Oh. The Proving Grounds. Ding. Where my Uncle Johnny took us once when I was a kid because he was in the Army. And he was like... Let me go show you where they would blow off some rounds. And I'm like, okay, Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Ding. Bully Rock, the golf course. And, of course, Cal Ripken's yep. Little League Complex and the Iron Birds Minor League Stadium. Yes. Aberdeen, Maryland. Big baby caught in a hotel room with a whole bunch of marijuana and a whole bunch of cash. And before you could turn around and go, well, that was kind of weird, he had a video out on the Internet of him in a small-looking Learjet in which he had a box of Popeyes and a briefcase of money and his Celtics championship ring to say, don't believe everything you see on the internet, and saying, I guess they got to keep the black man down. I can't have money. The only thing as embarrassing as watching Big Baby eat chicken on a plane was if anybody is a wrestling fan from the 80s, they will remember when the WWF did music videos and Slick who was the manager, the black manager who was a pimp, oh, had Jesus. a video for five, for Jive Soul Bro, oh. and the video started with him eating chicken, fried chicken. Oh, for God's sake. only sense. thing as embarrassing as that was that. Also as embarrassing was the shirt that Big Baby was arrested in. Did you see <laughs> that? A great green and white number <laughs> with a red collar. It looked like some kind of, something out of a Dr. Seuss book. And he was crying in his mugshot. Was he? Well, his eyes were very red, looked very crying to me. Now, I heard on Jalen Jacoby tonight. Do you like that show? I, slash love, I love Jalen Rose. I love Jalen. Uh, Jalen Rose. Is I like, and I like David Jacoby also. Okay. They had a funny bit where he, they did the top five soft things about Big Baby's video. And they pointed out it's a really small Learjet. Did you notice? That, yeah, he's in a private plane or so it looks, but it's very small. It's not like luxurious. And there's no women around him either. Secondly, they said, you know, here he is with this stack of money, and you could see the 10s and the 20s in that stack of money. Not very impressive, do you think? There were no hundreds in there. Right, and they pointed out he was wearing an overcoat, which is weird and odd on a private plane. Just a bunch of things. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll get off, Jay. Do you think he'll get off the charges? I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> big baby, big baby in jail. Didn't he beat up somebody in a hotel not too long ago? I don't know. I believe he got arrested at a hotel at a hotel for like disturbing the peace. So this uh, the his post career has not been yeah. not been well. Tyron Lewis stepping away due to health concerns. <laughs> Allegedly, say the Cavaliers said that he has had tightness in his chest and was coughing up blood. Ooh, that's what LeBron will do to you. Do you buy it? Ooh, the coughing. You can't make that up. Yeah, you can. Oh. Who's going to check? That's true, but why Well, why would you? Because you don't want to deal with LeBron anymore. Weren't they arguing the guy, with each other about a week ago? Yes. Well, there you go. Yeah. I Look, I don't deny that it's probably a stressful as fuck job because LeBron, is, as soon as things start getting sideways, is barking down your neck. But Ty- Tyron Lue is a young dude. Coughing up blood, not a good look. And and for them to say, well, like, if he had, like, a definite condition that they were willing to disclose. Like, you know, yeah, he was found with something with his lungs. But they just kind of left it a mystery. I don't know. Well, they had said that he had had this problem a couple of times in the season. 
Have the Ravens apologized for doing Ryan Grant dirty? <laughs> Any remorse on that one? Because pretty much all the football world, Jay, is like, you fucking pricks. You guys are the worst. What are they saying in Baltimore right now? <laughs> that story. Well, it all started with, well, of course, well, nobody knowing who the fuck Ryan Grant was. Right. And then you saying, he's not a number one, two, three, maybe a, a four. <laughs> But but the thing was ten million guaranteed. I know. If they'd have given him six, nobody would have said anything. Do you think my radio appearance swayed the Ravens? I blamed you. It's funny. I blamed you and Brett for the Ravens doing that. I actually said that yesterday. It I mean, is yesterday. not. It is not uh, out on, of the realm of possibility. Yes, not out of the realm of possibility because when Scottie Pippen was traded to the SuperSonics on draft day. Outrage in Seattle nixed the deal. Do you remember that story? I sure do. So this shit does happen every now and then. Uh, you, okay. Everybody was just 10. That was the thing, 10 million. That was the number that got everybody. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Crabtree, oh, we can sign Michael Crabtree now. <laughs> Yoink, that worked out pretty Which, good. By the way, do you know how many 1,000-yard uh, seasons Michael Crabtree's had in his One. career? Two. Yeah, not very Can- many. I thought he was better than that. He was a bitch at Texas Tech, but they play outdoor arena league football there, so all the numbers that those guys accumulate are kind of phony baloney. Aaron Hernandez might have been gay. Did you watch the Oxygen Network special on him? I did not, but I read stuff about that. His attorney said, his attorney, one of his attorneys. Isn't that against the law? Isn't that client uh, privilege? Well, one of his attorneys, who himself is gay, said, Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Said this man clearly was gay. He acknowledged it. He acknowledged the immense pain it caused him, and I think he also came out of a culture that was so negative about gay people that he exhibited some self-hatred. Don't stop it. I, I Listen, I think that is as compelling a reason for him to snap and murder Odin Lloyd as anything if Odin Lloyd was like, fuck you, man, you're gay, and I'm going to go tell everybody about it. That might drive a guy over the edge to go, uh-uh, no you So you're ain't. thinking the reason he also supposedly killed that other dude was to overcompensate for the fact that he is a homosexual. It's possible I'm no psychologist, but I'm just saying. Or maybe the fact he's just crazy as fuck. How about that? Can we ever use that one? He's, <laughs> he's crazy just... as fuck. <laughs> but every every amount of crazy has to have some underpinning of, Okay, that at least sort of makes crazy sense. I, I just think Aaron Hernandez was crazy. Okay. His dad died when he was younger, didn't know how to accept that, and he went crazy. From the Women Never Forget file, Mark Gastineau's ex, Lisa, was asked about Gastineau's current struggles with dementia and Parkinson's, and she said, maybe it's karma, and Ooh. then spelled it out, K-A-R-M-A. Gastineau did get divorced from Lisa, his first wife, when it was uh, divulged that he was having an affair with Brigitte Nielsen. But otherwise, he didn't, like, beat the shit out of her or anything. That, that is wrong, don't you think? That yes! a woman, years later, even though it was a bad divorce, would say, maybe it's karma. Oh, you cheated on me and we're divorced. Oh, now you get Parkinson's. Ha ha, fuck you, karma. Oh, that bullshit. Th- bitch. Okay. Supermodel Alessandra Ambrosio has split from her fiance of 10 years. Businessman Jamie Mazur. Are you into Aless- Alessandra Ambrosio? Ambrosio? I've never heard of her. Should I look her up? She's a skinny girl, like most of these models. They eat a rice cake and a cup of ice for dinner. and they call Alessandra her what? You've never seen her? She's one of the top. Give me, Victoria's what's your last season. name again? Alessandro 
Ambrosio or D. Ambrosio. Eh, she's run of the mill. You haven't seen her a million times before. No, I'm. I'm just it's the first time I've ever. Seen. You don't. You don't. Brazilian. Eh. You're not into white chicks, huh? Uh, ah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who is into white chicks? Saquon Barkley. Did you see? Saquon? Oh, his his girlfriend oh, is smoking. I mean, I see plenty of hot girlfriends like you do on the internet, Jay. When I saw her, I I froze. I was like, wow. And she's pregnant with a bun in the oven. God bless her. Gummy. 18-year <laughs> contract with her now. I hope you're happy. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't draft him because of that move. That shows he's not that bright. You're pretty harsh. Well, I'm sorry. He's got an 18-year contract with her now. And finally this one, 50 Cent is pissed. You know why? Because ex-girlfriend Vivica A. Fox said that their sex life was merely PG-13 in her new book titled Every Day I'm Hustling." Uh, Fox dated the rapper in 2003 and said her romance was cherished and special, but most of the time she said, I'd be the one initiating it because I really enjoyed making love with him. Uh, When Jackson found out about it, he was not happy. Quote, I'm waking up to this shit. That was 14 years ago. Who does this? What the fuck? He wrote I'm gonna to his, one, his 17.4 million followers on Twitter. I'm going to side with Fitty on this one. Are Vivica, you really? By the way, Vivica Fox, who has lost her fastball like a, like a pitcher does. Oh, Vivica Fox used to be very hot. Well, you know now why, she's Jay? very not hot. Because she's old, like <laughs> we are. And that's the dirty truth Susan Lucci. It. Yeah, but okay, she's old too. She's hanging on by plastic surgery she's and Botox. She's still hitting her spots. Okay, little fastball with late movement. Okay. There's still some women who are get. Uh, you can't just say old. Okay, can't just cry old. All right, you ready for fuck that guy? Uh, um, ah, you don't have one, do you? I don't. I do not ah, have. I, for the first time ever, I was all in. in, in comes with the tournament. <laughs> do you have one? I don't really. I had one yesterday with Drew. And, you know, I'm such a man of positivity and warmth, Jay, that I just have a hard time coming up with <laughs> two fuck that guys in two days. So maybe we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I, I can't I, I can't even make. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nope. OK, hold on. Got one. Here we go. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. All right. Fuck that guy. All right, Jay, who do you got? Oh, it, it, it's it's going to be my, my, my punching bag for every three out of every third. Fuck that guy is going to be this guy. Oh, Jason God. Whitlock. Oh, you're going back to him. After UMBC to... wins. Oh, my. Not, what do like you a, say? Like a normal person, he can't go. There's a great win. Well, it's not that big of a deal that they won because college basketball is so what I'm paraphrasing, of course. I'm like, you fat fuck, shut up. You <laughs> shut the hell up. Nobody cares about your tired takes. Okay. God, I hate him. <laughs> Why fuck that guy goes to Ozzy Newsom in the Ravens. <laughs> you did Ryan Grant dirty, man. Come on, Ozzy. Fuck you, man. Pay the man his money, will you? All right, Jay, good run this week. Congratulations to your retrievers, your yes. Chesapeake Bay. No, they're just the retrievers. But that's the breed, though. They're no, I, mean, I know. It's, well, no? Okay. 
Well, I don't not, think they're so. not goldens. No, they're not golden. I did a little research on the old Chessies. They're badass dogs. Well, badass schools, Abe. I love it. Jay, congratulations, bud. I will Thank miss you, sir. you in Vegas. Uh, do you want red or black? For your always bet on black, black Abe. Yeah. Two dollars on black. Coming up. Step aside. <laughs> All right, Jay, we'll talk to you next week. Follow Jay on Twitter at jaycatrell34 or 34. And listen to the Brett Hollander experience on WBAL Radio (laughs) in Baltimore, 7 to 10 p.m. every weeknight, right? Yes, sir. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll end with this. It was bound to happen, and now it has. We have our first fatality with a driverless car. Uber Technologies Incorporated halted autonomous vehicle tests after one of its cars struck and killed a woman in Tempe, Arizona, in in what is likely the first pedestrian fatality involving the technology. 49-year-old Elaine Hertzberg was crossing the road outside of a crosswalk when the Uber vehicle operating in autonomous autonomous mode, but under the supervision of a human, human safety driver, struck her, according to the Tempe Police Department. After the incident, which happened at 10 p.m. local time on Sunday, she was transferred to a nearby hospital where she died from her injuries. Uber is assisting, and this is still an active investigation, said Lillian Duran, a Tempe police spokesman, in a statement. Sucks. It's awful. It's awful. And as bad as it is, you know this is not going to be the first time that this technology does this. And you know that this technology is not going to be stopped. You know that we are going to be living at some point in a world with autonomous vehicles sharing the roadway. May not be in five years, may not be in 10, may not be in 20, although I'd bet in 20 for sure we are. It's going to be a rough transition, though, because what I think happened, not knowing any of the facts, but let me speculate because I can, it's my podcast, is that this woman assumed that oh, this car will stop for me, or I can cross the road here, even though I'm not in a crosswalk, because cars with humans, generally speaking, don't want to run over pedestrians. It ruins their car. They have to be called in for an investigation. They can go to jail for it. So there's a lot of incentive for drivers of cars to be more careful than an Uber autonomous vehicle. Also, if she was out of the crosswalk, that's dangerous. I know it's nerdy. Uh, I got to go to the crosswalk. Excuse me here. Let me wait for the light to go. But there's a reason why there's crosswalks. I know this. I feel pretty confident I will never be killed as a pedestrian by a car. Oh, yeah, you're bragging now, aren't you? No, I, I really do. Because whenever I am around roadways as a pedestrian, I am hyper alert and hyper sensitive and hyper vigilant on what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And I, I run across the street, which I know you're not supposed to do because there's supposedly a higher risk of uh, tripping and then you're really screwed. But, um, yeah, I don't, like, I just assume every car is trying to run me over. So it would be hard for me to imagine an Uberless, a, a driverless Uber car, even without the human inside of it. And by the way, how, what good was the human in there? All the human got to do was see firsthand. Oh, well, we just ran over a woman. Good. I guess I'll dial 911. I feel pretty confident that 
unless an Uber driverless car was going 70 miles an hour, I'm going to dodge it. I'm going to see it coming. I'm going to dodge it unless it was a electric Uber car that made no noise and it was a very quiet part of town and maybe the lights were off and maybe I was texting. Then, I don't know. Anyhow, sucks for that woman and her family and you'll be hearing a lot about this, I'm sure, in the news to come. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and tell your blackjack dealer while you are at it. While you are at it. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as Yoda says, do or do not do, there is no try. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.